Xander Shoffley isn't underrated anymore. He's the number eight player in the world, but he isn't like every other tour pro. He doesn't bomb and gouge it. He's just great at everything. He doesn't live in Florida or Nevada or some state without an income tax. He lives in San Diego, which is where he grew up and is exactly where we caught up with him just two weeks ago. We figured, what better thing to discuss with Xander than San Diego, Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open, three things that he knows extremely well. We've got all of that coming right up here for you on The Drop Zone. We sat down with Xander two days after the Winged Foot U.S. Open, his fourth straight top six finish at a U.S. Open. He's only got top six finishes at the U.S. Open, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, we were at the Adidas photo shoot. It was the end of the day. You know, when he first sat down, I felt like he was kind of tired, but he quickly jumped into, like, let's hang out mode and talk about golf, talk about San Diego golf. Um, what we really wanted to do was just kind of hang out with him and talk about his hometown, San Diego, where he grew up, talk about Torrey Pines. Um, anyway, we're going to pop in and out as narrators here while Xander tells us about the U.S. Open, San Diego, Torrey Pines, uh, everything. Dylan, what were you most looking forward to when we sat down with Xander? Just getting real Xander. I mean, he's the kind of guy that he seems a little bit guarded. You know, like he definitely likes his privacy. He's not someone that's always putting himself in the public eye. He's not all over social media or anything like that. But he's also very personable. When you do get a little slice of Xander, it's fun. You know, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's entertaining. He can, you know, give you some kind of honest, a uh, little bit like cynical, but very pleasant takes sometimes. So I was just hoping we would get a few minutes of Xander tired and relaxed at the end of the day. And I think that's what we got. <laughs> Xander Shoffley, uh, world number eight, legend, and also friend of our recent playing partner, Sean. Tell me about this. Well, we played at Torrey yesterday, Torrey Pines, South Course, and we get to the first tee, and this guy named Eric shows up, and he's like all hyped. He's like, hey man, let's go play. Like, let's go play together. I'm like, okay, that's a little too much for me right now. But we get off the first green, and he's like, yeah, we like to play the back tees. I'm like, okay, Dylan's played a little professional golf. I d have not. And we go back one tee and then he just keeps walking. He goes back to the tournament oh tees. So we yeah. played 18 holes of tournament tees at Torrey Pines. You're not supposed to, and I don't want to play golf anymore. <laughs> we played like 7,900 yard golf course. Sean is, what do you play to? Like a 10, ten handicap. And you? your buddies are- What about you? I'm like a fake plus four handicap. I'm probably like a, what I don't know. A fake plus four is probably like I've a plus like a, one. I've heard of a fake scratch. I've never heard of a fake plus four, though. I might have broken 80 yesterday. Okay. All right. But Eric was a lot of fun, and he told us about life at the farms for you, life in San Diego. Uh, I guess I was first curious. We just had the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. The U.S. Open next year is at Torrey. Were you at the 08 Open? Yes. I, I, I was uh, at the 18th hole, actually. Uh, on the yeah, I was Is 13. this a known thing? Probably not. Cool. Only, only the drop zone. Breaking news uh, in the drop zone. Yeah, I was I was hanging by the tree that has recently fallen due to storms. Uh, left uh, left of just short of the pond there. His massive tree used to be there. I was kind of like up on the tree stump to try and get above the crowd, wow. watching Tiger make his putt to get in the playoff okay, with so Rocco. Twelve years ago, so you were you fourteen. Were, yeah, there you go. Good math. That's not bad. 
what what are your is that your like most vivid memories being around 18? Or you were you walking around with those groups? I've uh, Torrey Pines was my home course in high school. Okay. So, so I have a lot of memories of Torrey Pines growing up. Uh, some good, some bad. Yeah. Mainly good. When did you do you remember your first time you shot under par there? For nine holes from the white tees in high school, yeah, it was a lot easier than uh, during the Farmers Insurance or probably the U.S. Open. How good be. was your high school golf team? Not good at all. <laughs> did you carry the high school team uh, like to any we, success? We had, we had, we had, we had an absent kind of four, four or five guy. It was yeah. just golf wasn't a really big thing at my school um, or any school, any high school, I think. No. And uh, there's, there's like, you know, our one, two, and three were pretty solid. If you can shoot under 40 in high school, you're pretty good. Yeah. So we had we had three of those guys, which was nice. And then you're just dragging home like the 53 <laughs> from the four guys. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> 40, 46, you know, it was usually our 48, 46 to 48 right. wasn't too, wasn't too scary. So we fast forward like nine months or so, and I got this feeling there's going to be a lot of hype for you going to Torrey for the U.S. Open. Are you prepared for that? Do you have you thought about like, holy cow, that's kind of going to be a, a week that everyone's looking at me? Probably. Yeah. Uh, being a being a local boy, I mean, I think. Plus, everyone, I mean, yeah, everyone here knows I've, I grew up playing there. I, I've, I mean, I, I was absent for four years when I went to college. I didn't play there once, funny enough. It is a public really? course. I'm sure you guys saw how packed it was yesterday. Yeah. So it, it, there's a lot of traffic. It's hard to get on, but it is really special for, for tournament weeks. And, um, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself to play well there in the past and haven't really played that great at, at any Farmers Insurance Opens. But uh, looking forward to the the challenge of a U.S. Open there. Is there any reason why you don't think you've played well there? I mean, statistically, uh, not a great, in the past, I haven't been a great rough scrambler. Been working on that a little bit to get a little better at golf. So hopefully that, uh, that'll work this year. Okay. I like how Sean pulled the old interview trick there. Of like, <laughs> do you think people are going to ask you about this thing and therefore asked him about it? Yeah. It was really good. Smooth, man. All right, I just, the four straight U.S. Open top sixes, I mean, I'm part of the hype train. I'm going to hype you up for it. I feel like it's, it's got to, it's got to make it a little bit more interesting and potentially more difficult for you if you let it get to you. I don't know. I was thinking maybe since it's a U.S. Open, it might make me play better. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm it has trying to, you know, look at totally. it on a, on a different note. What is it about the U.S. Opens? I mean, you said you're not a great rough scrambler, but here you are finishing top five every year at the U.S. Open. I said I wasn't a great rough scrambler. Oh, all right. Until been, last week. Improving. Yeah. Slowly improving on that on that matter here. Trying to become a more consistent rough scrambler has been a, a task of mine. Don't get a whole lot of rough here in San Diego. So say, uh, how do you improve on that out here? It's it's hard to. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so back to Dylan and I here. What was interesting to us is that we played Tory Pines South the day before our sit down with Xander, and coincidentally, we get paired up with a guy who actually is friends with Xander, a guy named Eric, who didn't share his na his last name with us, which was kind of weird, but he plays to a plus four apparently, and he actually plays in money games with Xander, with Phil Mickelson, with Charlie Hoffman at the Farms, which is a golf club down there. Um, my question for you is, when we were trying to talk to Xander about San Diego, the golf scene down there, what did you want to learn from him? <laughs> well, first of all, I was just curious to learn if he was actually friends with this guy. You know, it's it's pretty easy to imagine someone going around saying they're really good, although Eric was <laughs> undeniably very good at golf. Um, and, you know, saying, oh, yeah, Xander, that's my like one of my good buddies. 
But, you know, he was a great guy to play with. Uh, and what was I curious from Xander? I was curious to get his take on the feel of San Diego compared to these other golf hubs. You hear plenty about Jupiter, Scottsdale, Dallas, Sea Island, these little hubs where people live. There aren't that many people in California. There's a bunch of pros from California, Tiger and Phil, you know, chief among them. But not that many dudes still live there. So what is this little PGA Tour Pro enclave really like? Everyone leaves at some point or another. And largely because of the income tax, right? Yeah, we don't want to, you know, dive drop zone too far into the political waters here. But uh, these dudes make a lot of money. They don't like paying a lot of taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, Xander is like, I I don't think he's going to leave. Do you think he's going to leave San Diego ever? Yeah, he's going to move to Las Vegas. Um, (laughs) And he's going to live in Las Vegas the minimum number of possible days, and then he's going to spend the rest of his time in California. This is breaking news on the drop zone. Oh, he told you this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he sort of mentioned this in a, a press conference a couple months ago, but, and I don't think anything is official yet, but it sounds like, yeah, he's probably leaning towards getting a place in Las Vegas. I believe with the way tax law works, Again, not a big accountant here, but I believe if you're a PGA Tour player, the days that you were on the road, I think maybe can count as days spent in your place of residence, aka Las Vegas. So the burden of spending that much time there is a lot lower as I understand it. It could be wrong. All right. Well, enough of us talking about taxes. Let's get back to Xander. I want to hear a little bit more about this San Diego golf scene because... Eric was making it sound like a pretty good time. He said, you've got a little crew of pros. It's not really, you know, we were just talking to Daniel Berger. It's not really like the Jupiter crew, but you guys have a few pros that you play with. Who, who is the squad? I mean, I, I, I like, they can keep their Jupe crew over there. Those <laughs> yeah. are real pros. Yeah. We got the blue collar pros here. Oh, I love that. It's more, you know, down to earth. Um, you know, uh, it means more to us here than, you know, kind of, how they will, you know, whatever they play What's for over there. No flashy over there? Palm Beach mansion. You know what I mean? Yeah. You show up, you barely warm up, you know what I mean? Walk out there, talk some talk some smack, and, and get going. What's up with Mickelson moving across the country? That's a loss for the squad, isn't it? Yeah, Phil, I mean, just recently, quarantine, I, I started to play with Phil quite a bit. Um, figured it'd be a good time to learn, you know, yeah. how, to, how to scramble from, from a guy who's pretty <laughs> good at it. Um, totally. But yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun, kind of getting to know him a little bit better, and um, we've we've definitely had a, a few fun matches here in SD. It sounds like you've been kind of giving him the business. You've kind of put yeah, it I on mean, him a little bit. He it was it was a mix of both. I mean, I okay. was I was maybe I peaked too soon. I kind of peaked during quarantine, and then our season started, and I kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah. You know, I, I played well my first event at Colonial, but then after that, I kind of had a shaky little okay. stretch through there. So Phil kind of got the wrath of me did during he, quarantine. Did he get four straight 63s from you? Uh, he got three of them. Three in a row. So it was right. like, no, it was like a six, yeah, 64, 63, 63 or something like that. Oh, and he wasn't playing very good. And That's tough. But he got me really, he, Phil got me pretty bad right before we left. Nice. Um, it was funny when I saw him shoot uh, 10 under the first round of the Champions yeah. Tour event. I played with him a couple weeks before that, and we played the farms, and I've been absolutely waxing him every day, and he made 11 birdies in the eagle before we left. Oh, my God. So I got absolutely rinsed before I left yeah. for my tournament schedule. So you, well, I mean, how does he <laughs> – I mean, I guess it's just golf, but Phil in particular seems to really swing. 
completely. I, it's, it's not just golf. It's just Phil. That's yeah. what it is. Okay. Good. That's <laughs> so, what I was so, wondering. Like sometimes. It's a fair statement. That's outrageous. Yeah. All right. So Charlie Hoffman's yeah. out there. Who else do you guys play with? We got a, um, a few Latin guys. Uh, there's a guy, Mike Fierstein's out there. My my good buddy. Uh, I grew up playing golf with. He's on the on the Japan tour. Nice. Uh, Eric, another Eric, and then guy from PJ Tour China comes down from Long Beach. One of my old teammates, uh, Kevin. So um, the head pro out there is really good. Nice. Uh, call him Tuna. Um, but yeah, I mean, any, anyone sort of, anyone, you know, anyone that's willing to play will, will kind of join us. And sometimes we started off last week with a, a you know, maybe a, th a threesome and then it ended up being like 10 or 11 of us. So that's awesome. It's just kind of how it goes sometimes. What game are you playing at that point? We'll play, you know, anything from the guys on tour like to play closeout games. You know, you just kind of set an amount and then you can press for half once you're closed out and mm -hmm. I kind of grew up playing you know like small like Nassau games where it's sort of like a 5-5-5 five, 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 or you know yeah. obviously it gets more exaggerated than that but um, yeah anything really. Do you ever play a 5-5-5 five, five, five these days? Yeah against some of my old college teammates. Really? Here yeah I mean here out here I play a lot with there's a bunch of kids I went to USC to uh, Torrey Pines High School to San Diego State my old teammates so we kind of I'll, you know, a 10, 10, 20 is probably what it is. Yeah. We've graduated from the 5, 5, That's 10. big money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the San Diego golf scene and kind of what you think of it because, you know, June 2021, the whole world, the golf world will parachute in to San Diego and we will. Hopefully. We will. Yes. It will, it will, and at that point, we will do so many stories about San Diego golf and half of them will be about you and Phil and like, what are people sleeping on when it comes to golf in San Diego? What's underrated here? I don't know. I mean, the, everyone knows the weather is good. The lifestyle, sort of, every, like everything is just more chill. Versus you're, if you're like an East Coast country club or sure. like mm -hmm. even you know in the Midwest or something like that, it's, it, it is very different. So but you're I mean, definitely involved in it. Like you're, you don't hide away from the San Diego golf scene. You're out at Goat Hill, and yeah. you know you're getting involved with these various things. And part of it is your your own like charitable efforts but I think that, that is one of the coolest things about your your hometown is that it's not that he's just from here it's that he's here and he exists here yeah part of it's I mean I'll you know Kalina Park was a par three course uh kind of down further south by San Diego State that we okay. used to go play at I think University of San Diego disqualifying out there oh sweet um so I think San Diego State sent some qualifying out there as well but that's a really fun, I mean, like the longest hole is like 100 yards, shortest one's like 50, awesome. 50 yards, you hit off mats. It's kind of a fun, mm -hmm. it's a really fun place to play, you know what I mean? And a bunch of go. pro kids, uh, pro kids runs that whole thing. And there's just, it's sort of, that kind of engulfs sort of the idea of San Diego golf. It's, it's very, you know, tight-knit community, just like every other golf community. But um, it just seems like you, you see a lot of the same faces everywhere. All right, back to us one more time here. One thing I wanted to learn from Xander is how he feels right now. I'm always curious about these guys that like jump into the top 10, maybe struggle for a little bit, jump down to like 17 in the world ranking, back up to number nine. Like they know they don't win a major, but there's a lot of pressure on them to like break through and win a major or go on a, a you know, a stretch and win player of the year. Like is Xander of that elite, elite level of DJ Justin Thomas Rory. Um, so we ended up kind of asking him about it, but I was really interested to hear like 
how do you stay patient, man? Because like <laughs> Bryson just delivered and he delivered in a pretty powerful way. And he, even, he ended up giving us some interesting thoughts on what Bryson is doing and how it is to compete with him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just always interesting to hear how these guys stay motivated because, you know, after a certain point, maybe a top 10 doesn't get you that excited. Maybe making the cut is just, you know, doesn't really do it for you. There's some guys on the PGA Tour that are just trying to accumulate enough points to stay on the PGA Tour because it's obviously such a good lifestyle. You know, the money is pretty good at the top there. Uh, you see a guy like Peter Malnati at the Sanderson Farms just talking about how how he's so grateful to be in contention. You know, just the idea of being in contention is incredible <laughs> to him. Xander, because he's so good, because he's had so much success, the expectations are clearly different. And, you know, money doesn't seem like it's probably going to be an issue for him anytime soon. So the focus then shifts to like, winning and so when you're not winning which is going to be most of the time how do you keep going how do you get happy etc i was interested in all of that from an honest guy like xander but like expectations for him like yes last year's expectations weren't the same the year before that weren't the same the year before that they were nothing like he has very quietly ascended into the you're only happy with a top five finish and even then you might not really be that happy. Like that's a crazy level of pro golf. It really is. All right. Back to Xander one last time to wrap things up. The last time we had you on was two years ago. You were coming off a good finish uh, at Bell Reeve, the PGA. You were coming off a, no, you are coming off a really good finish at the Open Championship, I guess, which we talked about. Yeah, anyway, you had a great year. Um, have your expectations changed since then? You were talking a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I just haven't been playing very well. And this was after, I don't know, eight top 25s in a row or something like that. <laughs> how, do you think your, how do you think your expectations for yourself have changed now that you've been out here and I, been playing well? You know, I, I guess I'd be lying if I said they didn't change. Yeah. Um, I don't even re remember saying that, but I just genuinely felt like I wasn't playing. I was kind of making you know, making it work on the weekend and sneaking inside the top 25, which I wouldn't really consider playing well, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, sometimes that's sort of what being a pro is all about is kind of staying professional and handling your business. But I think the expectations have changed a little. I feel like I take this sort of same approach to things. I just, maybe you know, small bits here and there, I yeah. you know, expect more myself, which, you know, sometimes is, is a bad thing just because it makes losing worse, but. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. You need your winning fix. He, he instead won of just... the tour championship. I know. Let's talk about. How does it feel to win the tour championship? Did I win it? If you can't say that you won it, I know you. If can, you go to your world rankings page, it says you finished first in the tour championship because you had the low 72-hole score. They didn't give you the big check. Though. Is it kind of weird? That... I, you know, I I don't I Dustin deserved the big check. I, I would love to have a, a win count for my oh, you know, yeah. my See, legacy. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when you look at my name, it would be nice to have another win there just because yeah. I, yeah, I guess I played well. I, guess I played well. Yeah, I'm not going to say I didn't play well that week. Um, I played great, and Dustin obviously deserves to, to, to take the big kahuna home. Uh, he played the best throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Just like every other sport, you got you to gotta do the right thing at the right time, and he did, so. DJ, to me, this layman who loves watching the PGA Tour, seems like the kind of guy, like Kevin Kisner said, sometimes he's on 
and I just try to get as high as I can because I know I won't beat him that week. And get, <laughs> make sure the check has as many commas as possible. <laughs> How many guys like that are there on the PGA Tour where it's like they're on is kind of scary? Um, just a couple. Yeah. I think it, it's it's really the uh, Dustin's in the top, you know, tiniest percentage on tour of, of guys who can hit it really far. So. Uh, it's all about hitting it really far these days. Bryson, ex you know, kind of exposed our game of golf last week at the U.S. Open. Um, yeah. He's uh, he's up there. He, Bryson, he's he's single-handedly created that for himself. Like if he's on with everything else, the putter, yeah, it's going to be almost impossible to touch him. You know what I mean? But obviously, when you swing at 140 miles an hour and you're a little off, that ball is going to go off the planet. Yeah. What people, do you make people, of that? People don't realize that part of it too. He's right. just that good. So. There's only a couple that can yeah. kind of. Rory's another one where if everything's firing on every cylinder, it's you got to really be, you know, on at, at your very best to where you can kind of catch them. But would you put yourself in that category? You know, I, I've, I personally would. I, I feel like I just haven't, at no point in my career have I ever, like, fired on all cylinders during a tournament. Yeah. Like, something's always been missing, which is kind of how golf goes. I mean, I, it's hard to go run and hide by, like, ten shots from the best players in the world, so it's understandable. But you yeah. also, like, you're sneaky very long off the tee also. Sneaky, you yeah. <laughs> But not, not like, I need to, you know, my body just won't let me hit it, you know, 330 in the air. That's the thing. Like, I can't fly at 330 in the air. Dustin yeah. can. Rory almost can. Bryson, Bryson. can. Yeah. Tony can. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like there's only a few guys that can kind of control a 330 in the air. I mean, there's no bunker on any golf course in today's day and age. That's... Uh, that matters, yeah. Well, I mean, how many architects are like, let's put this bunker at 330 yards? Yeah. You know what's funny, though? is that, <laughs> So I talked to the Detroit Golf Club Super week after Bryson won there mm -hmm. at the Rocket Mortgage, and he's like, we are already thinking about putting a couple bunkers in spots and lengthening tees so that there would be a bunker in a Bryson spot, which is like, well, it's kind of like It's kind of like Augusta proofing, uh, you know, the whatever, 13th hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, he's going to go into the 14th fairway this year. Gil Hans go was, right through it. who just just finished the redesign at Wingfoot, was walking with Bryson's group this week at Wingfoot. <laughs> like, he must just be like, oh my gosh, yeah. what, what has happened to this place? I'm most impressed by, I was looking at, obviously, your PGA Tour page before this, and I was looking at those stats, and you are a top 10 driver when it comes to strokes gain off the tee. I think you were eighth in this past season. But then you look at strokes gain approach, I think you were like 31st. Strokes gained around the green, 33rd. Strokes gained putting, top 40 it's like holy cow he might be the most actually consistently across the board player how like Bryson cannot be at this point he has not shown that he can be a top 10 guy approaching the green but you are like you have shown that you can put up good numbers in all categories is it hard to keep all those balls in the air like yeah is it tricky to make sure your game is great for sure everywhere? yeah so I mean I think if you compare the two Bryson just sacrificed part of his game and like sure. I said it, it's exposing our game because one's just way more important than the other mm -hmm. you know what I mean so it's sort of hit it 350 in the rough yeah. hack your lob wedge out somewhere near the green and hopefully in the next hole you hit 350 in the fairway and then your pretty. advantage is exponentially larger so for me, I, I, that's why I feel like I could enter an upper echelon based on the stats that we've created this year. It's funny how I was actually talking to my team about it. It's like I, haven't, I didn't win last year. It's like yeah. these, these are by far my best stats. Ever. Yeah. It's just how stupid golf is sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I guarantee I'll, I'll probably win another tournament and I'm like 110th in driving or something. Yeah. It's like 
but one week I got hot. So have you, it, have you always been an analytical thinker in golf, or did you realize in order to compete that that's an extra thing that you had to think about? Yeah, I think with sort of shot link and the PJ Tour setup, it sort of helps. It makes us more analytical. You, you know, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I kept my own stats. I think I've always been a little bit that way. I, you know, I, I bought an app or some sort of program. My dad made me do it when I was a junior. Try and fill in all your putts, left to right, everything, my shot, how far it was, where'd you hit it. Buy Brody's app or something like that. Something weird to where, you know, it was annoying at first until, and then in college we had to do it again. Some kids didn't do it. I always liked doing it just because I wanted to kind of, it's, it's hard to get a sort of unbiased opinion of your own game unless you just look at the raw numbers. Yeah. So that's sort of, you know, how I fall into that, you know, mindset. We're coming off the end of a season, the start of another season. We're already, like, in other words, a two day off season, I guess. Yeah. It's great. Do you have any tangible goals for this year? Do you do something where you write down your goals for the coming year and anything that you would like to share with the drop zone? Um, I typically, yeah, will write sort of small goals. I haven't done it yet this year. I had them last year. My sort of kind of what JT did in his phone, sort of you know a note section of. I, I think I missed all the winning parts of it, but I, I hammered all the sort of small increases and. In, in, you know, my short game and my putting and my driving and, and approach to the green, it's areas that I really lacked in. Um, but it's, I can't remember what the percentage was. I just kind of look at the year before and, and try and make small improvements yeah. to it and then, you know, do drills throughout the year to try and better that. And so, obviously, you didn't check the box in the winning category except for the Tour Championship. We, we gave him one, I think. <laughs> Thank but, you. So, but the, what you just shared is something that Daniel Kang shared earlier uh, about how once you get over the fact that you don't have to win to show that you've played good golf, then you'll probably end up winning. Like you just get over the, like, I'm always wondering, is it tricky, because you won growing up your entire career, to get to the PGA Tour and be like, okay, I, I don't have to win to prove how great I am. Or, like, um, do you have to convince yourself it, it's of just, a certain It's just talent? golf. Danielle's a great example. I mean, she won her first two starts, I think, coming out of quarantine, so. Yeah, she'd probably be the person I should talk to yeah. on how to win. Um, I, I've never won many tournaments my whole life, so for me personally, I didn't win much junior. I won one junior event. I think I won two college events, three maybe. I won three college events my whole four-year career, and then as an amateur, I won a couple events, if that. So, I, I, winning on the tour was sort of happened quickly for me, and it was I didn't expect to. I think okay. I kind of had a very blue-eyed approach to it, and kind of just worried about my own game and ended up being in position at the end and kind of clutched up and, and the rest is history. But It's just, I guess people in our position are always, we, we focus unfortunately so much on win counts, major counts. And it, you know, you gotta get your first win before you get your second and all of a sudden there's just like, if there is a lull of a year. You like, hit a roadblock pretty easily. And it's like, it feels to some people like you're you're hitting a roadblock and it's like, he's really not. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to look at it that way. Golf is just, it's a game of losers. Just lose less than the next guy. Totally. Yeah. If you finish second in every tournament in your whole career, you're gonna have a really, really good career, but no one's gonna talk about you. Yeah. You'll probably be living in a mansion in Beverly Hills That's by yourself, right. but <laughs> who cares about that anyways? You know what I mean? So for me, it's like, it, it, I don't really look at it. Season to season is easy to look at, but you know, kind of, I'm 20, almost 27. So kind of look at, you know, stages of your life, kind of where you want to be. Was it October uh, 24th? 25th. 25th. Almost. Not a, birthday. not a true fan. Yeah. It's okay. I know Dylan's That'd be really creepy if you knew that, actually. But. No, it's my birthday, too. Okay. We were just looking up how old you are. It's the same day. There you go. I'm all, two years older than you. You're old, old. So <laughs> old, he's in a different old. stage of his life. I know. So I don't know where his goals are lying right thing. now. But <laughs> the last... He's got zero PGA I'm whatever age you were when we sat down in St. Louis two years ago. 
All right, we got to wrap up, but I just want to say, last time you came on, I think it kind of unleashed like a pretty nice stretch for you. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Right, I would love some drop zone, some drop zone juice from you drop guys. Drop zone juju. That's right. We'll do the best we can. Xander, thanks again for joining us. Uh, best of luck in the new season. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, big thanks to Xander. Thanks to Adidas for having us. Any final thoughts from you on Xander Shoffley? I mean, I'm just hoping that, you know, he's going to take pity, get us on the bag, you know, get us really back out there on the PGA Tour looping again. I think he could really be the key to us really making some some side change. So that's my big takeaway is like kind of just subtly working that angle over the next few months. I think he had a sneaky, phenomenal season. The guy finished third in strokes gained total and you're like did he even really win this year like sneaky phenomenal in every aspect of the game so if i'm gonna make any like very juicy bets it would be that i think xander will pull off like a player of the year run Damn. sometime in the next next five years i mean we just shouldn't take him for granted that's that's my big takeaway this is one of the absolute stars of the game he flies under the radar He's just really freaking good, and he sometimes escapes that conversation of the top tier of golfers, but he's certainly right there, and if he's not in that top tier, he's knocking on the door. Yeah. All right, well, that's good enough for us this week. Do us a favor. If you like this episode, don't just subscribe. Don't just give us rating. Send the episode to your foursome, your golf foursome, Ooh. your golf buddies who need to see it, need to hear it. Do it for us. Thanks to Mr. Lee Finer, our producing guru. We will see you one week from now.